Welcome to the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. How, how does your faith kind of play into it or does it play into it? What can be done about it? When I say the church, I'm talking about uh, evangelical white Christians and the black folk who attend their churches. Hello, welcome to the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I'm Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh, and I'm very happy that you chose to either view this on YouTube or Facebook, or you're listening to us on iTunes, Spotify, or Amazon Prime. As always, we encourage feedback. You can reach me at fredjeffsmith at gmail.com, fredjeffsmith at gmail.com. Let us know how we're doing and what we could do to make this podcast better for you. I am very happy to welcome to the Thrive Podcast today Mrs. Donna Collins-Lewis, who is a candidate for clerk of court for East Baton Rouge Parish, a former Metro Council member. Mrs. Collins-Lewis, thank you for taking your time to come and share with us today. Pastor Smith, thank you for the invite. As we start, let me... I started with Chana one way. Uh, I, I had Councilwoman Banks in here the other day. I, let, let me start with you a different way. Um, what is it that motivated you to first go into politics? I never thought about it, uh, Pastor, as going into politics. I really thought of it as continuation of my public service. Okay. So even before I got on the council, and some people know this, some people don't, I actually served as uh, then-Councilwoman uh, Bruce, first legislative assistant, ran her campaign, have worked in campaigns for years, uh, just kind of uh, thought about it again. Uh, do I really want to do this? Mm-hmm. You know, prayed about it, uh, went and talked to my pastor about it. He told me to go pray about it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just felt like it was a continuation of the work I was doing in the community. Uh, have always worked in the community, uh, basically in the area of affordable housing. Mm-hmm. My mom is a single parent, raised four kids while walking to work at the Battery General Hospital, worked in housekeeping for over 30 years, bought her first home on a government program when I graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. And so my passion was around housing and single women and moms and raising their families and having somewhere decent to live. So mm-hmm. that kind of started my work in public service. Uh, I've worked at nonprofit organizations for years. I've done housing development, housing management, housing rehab. And so that was my passion, just working with women. I worked with the Baton Rouge Housing Authority, with single moms there, just encouraging them to move up and to move out, connecting people with resources, worked in recovery after Katrina and Rita, again, with home ownership and mm-hmm. making sure people had uh, resources to get their homes restored. So that's been my passion, my work in community service. Well, that being said, have you been disappointed or have you been uh, surprised by what public service looks like uh, so many years into it? Did, did you get into it thinking... It's going to be one thing, and it turned out to be something else. A little bit of both. Uh, you know, you, you watch local politics on, from the side, and then you're, once you're in it, it's totally different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you think it's going to be the same, or you think you're going to be able to get in and do uh, marvelous things. But what I learned quickly was that, uh, especially in serving on the council, that if you're co- responsive to your constituents, that is what people are looking for. I don't care if somebody called me about a dead dog in the street or needing money for resources or needing back to school supplies for their kids. If you respond back to people, that is what people want. I can remember sitting in my office one day at the council, phone rings and my legislative assistant is out. 
Uh, I pick up the phone. They say, may I speak to Councilwoman Lewis? I said, speaking. They said, is this Councilwoman Lewis? I said, yes, this is Councilwoman Lewis. They said, you answering your phone? I said, my phone is ringing. I'm at my desk. My assistant is away. Uh, so, yes, I do answer my own telephone. And so mm -hmm. people want public servants and elected officials that are going to be responsive to them, mm -hmm. that are going to be caring about them, and that are going to be concerned about what they need when they need it. And so that, that was important to me. You have been out of public office for a couple of years mm -hmm. Almost now. Almost three. And uh, as you reflect on what's been going on mm -hmm. uh, in your absence, what are your thoughts about uh, East Baton Rouge Parish and where we are, uh, Metro Council and things of that sort? Um, you know, when we came on the council, I'm going to say we, but when I joined the council, there were 10 new council members. We only had two returning. Uh, people thought the city was going to fall apart. You know, mm -hmm. you got all these new people coming in. They don't know what they're doing. But I believe the 12 of us, when I was doing my term on the council, did some great things on the council. We, As you know, because you were in the front lines helping us with this, we attacked early on minority participation in city parish government. Mm -hmm. uh, it took a long time. It was a long time coming, like the song says. But we were able, with the groundwork that we laid on the council at that time, we were able to eventually get something through. And the mayor now has gotten the policy in place and is still working on that. Uh, but the current council, I watch uh, sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes I don't. Mm -hmm. um, I still get calls from people in the community. They still call me uh, thinking that I'm the council person. Mm -hmm. I'm still attentive. I still react when people call. Uh, I think that it's a little bit of a different makeup of the council. I still see them doing some great things in the community. So I'm still watching. You have chosen to uh, run for uh, East Baton Rouge Parish Kirk of Court. Let's start with the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Could you explain to the audience mm -hmm. exactly what the job is of the Kirk of Court? My, my familiarity with the Kirk of Court's office is as a pastor who uh, performs weddings, I know that the license goes to the Kirk of Court. I know that the Kirk of Court handles uh, birth certificates and death certificates. But can you give us a better explanation of the job of Kirk of Court? So, look, uh, glad you asked that question. Uh, going around the community as I, as I campaign, people have asked that question, what does the clerk's office do? And they say the same things that you're saying, birth certificates, marriage licenses, you can go consistent with your passport, death certificates. But the clerk actually serves as the legal record keeper for all court documents within East Baton Rouge Parish, works with the administrative judge and all judges. Uh, he's a custodian of voting machines for the parish. The clerk's office uh, trains elections commissioners. They maintain the jury pool. Most people know about the clerk's office because that's where lawsuits are filed. So you go down there to file suits, mm -hmm. archived, old records are housed there, mortgage records, liens, anything that you can think of as a legal document, you can obtain from the clerk of court's office. So the clerk of court handles voting machines. Correct, uh, yes. Uh, I, I really thought that was the secretary of state's a office lot of people on, on a state level. Yes. But uh, that, that's the clerk's that's responsibility. The clerk's responsibility to maintain the voting machines. He's okay. a custodian of voting machines for the parish. Okay. Yes. And what prompted you to decide to run uh, this time around? So, you know, I ran four years ago, uh, had 45% of the vote. That speaks volume, spoke volumes to me. Mm -hmm. um, and as I look at that, I, I think that any government office needs great leadership. There's been some controversy around the clerk's office over the last four years, last eight years prior to that. Uh, and I believe in good public service. Uh, so I thought about it, looked at it, prayed again about it, and just decided, okay, I'm going to go for this because I think that there needs to be new leadership, new direction at the helm of the clerk's office. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wanting to bring change to the office. The current clerk has been there 32 years. 
So I do believe that it's time for change, some fresh new ideas. And so that's why I'm running. Okay. Um, is the public aware of uh, the, the problems that exist within the clerk of court's office as, as you engage the public? Are they astute uh, and aware of uh, the current climate that exists within the clerk of court's office? A lot of people in the public are. Uh, I've had people who approach me even before I decided to run this time talking about some of the conditions in the office, the way some people are treated, some of their employees are treated, how some of the wages are, are administered. You know, people have worked there for years. Their salaries should have increased over the years. Some of those things didn't happen. Uh, the clerk's office has had to run deficit for years. Uh, they've run into problems where lawsuits have been filed. And public, some of the public know about this. Maybe people don't know about it, but a lot of the public that know about it, people that used to work there, they're approaching me, uh, that were terminated for what they felt like was unfair treatment. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot going on. But if you, I, I'm not trying to, to bash anybody, but if you just sure. go online and look up the clerk of court's office, you'll find some of this information online. It's readily available for the public to see it. You're a registered Democrat? Yes, I am. Can I ask you about the Democratic Party in this state? Sure. What's wrong with the Democratic Party That's in this state? That's a great state? question. I'm not... I, uh, I'm not I, sure. I said I didn't want to start there. That's where I started <laughs> with Chana the other day. What's wrong with the Democratic Party in this state? Uh, I, I know that you've given your life to public service. Yes. I know that you're a lifetime Democrat, even though I asked you where you're a Democrat. I knew yes. the answer to the question before. I asked, but <laughs> you are involved in Democratic politics on both a local mm -hmm. and a state level. Can you help me to understand? I'm a Democrat also. Uh, can you help me to understand what's wrong with our party? I think it's a spirit of unity. I, I just think that there is not a unified front on the local party or the state party. Uh, we're, we're out there. I'm just going to speak to me personally. Mm -hmm. So I received the Democratic endorsement the last time I ran. I received the Democratic endorsement from the uh, party this time that I've run, the local mm -hmm. party. Then you look on the next page, and the members of the Democratic Party endorse, but then the, the members of the party go out and endorse somebody else separately, apart from the party's decision. Mm -hmm. I don't quite understand how that works. Mm -hmm. So if the party has members and the membership has endorsed Donna Collins-Lewis for mm -hmm. of court, I can't imagine or understand how I see what I see out there, and that's people going on the other side supporting other candidates other than who the party has endorsed as a Democrat. I know it's free press, it's America, people do what they want to do, but I think that there has to be guidelines within the party uh, because if not, it seems like the party is divided in its decisions that it's making mm -hmm. on the state level and on the local level. Uh, that's something that I really feel like needs to be addressed. One of the things that uh, Councilwoman Banks said to me uh, in response to this question is that younger black people are registering more as Republican these days than as mm -hmm. Democrat. Or independent. Or independent. Mm -hmm. So there seems to be a defection among young people. I don't think that's too strong a term. Mm -hmm. Uh, for the Democratic Party. Uh, as I said to Councilwoman Banks, I don't see where the platform of the Republican Party is beneficial to black people. Mm -hmm. So what is it that is drawing young people to register Republican as opposed to Democrat or, as you say, independent? Look at the pulse of our country right now with our former president, Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. I don't care what he has done or what he continues to do, there's unity 
for the most part in that party. Look at the members of Congress. None of them wanted to speak out against the January 6th insurrection. Mm -hmm. Unity in the party. It may be crazy unity. It may be unrealistic unity. Mm -hmm. But unity within the party. You know the word, what the word of God talks about. There's strength in unity. Mm -hmm. There's strength in numbers. And so there's strength. People are seeing something. I'm not necessarily certain if it's their, what they're seeing, something that they want, or if it's they, they're seeing that united front in the Republican Party. I don't think it's the best thing for our people, but people have to be seeing something there that they're not seeing on the Democratic side. And young people are progressive. They want to see what they want to see, and they want to see something that's progressive and moving forward. And if they don't see it, they're going to go find it elsewhere. So then, what's the response from the Democratic Party or from those who are affiliates of the Democratic Party, including the NAACP uh, and the black church? Uh, I don't want to leave the black church out of it. Uh, what, what is our response in the wake of this defection that's taking place? I think a conversation has to be had with this generation, my generation, your generation, and the young people. What is it that they're looking for? I think about the same thing with violence and the crime that's going on in our community. What is happening with our young people? What is the conversation that they want to have? Why are they angry? Why are they defecting? Why are they doing what they're doing? We're not listening. We see that this is happening, and we're trying to bring our ideas into it. I'm 66. There's, we're trying to bring some of our ideas into it. They don't want to hear that. We need to listen to what they're saying. I can remember at church once, and pastor did a demonstration about the then and the now, mm -hmm. and we had a boom box, and we had some other things, and we had a CD and a jump drive, and this generation that was over here on this side had no idea what some of those things mm -hmm. are in this newer generation. Now, mm -hmm. you and I probably keep up with it because we're out there in the public and we know about these things, but a lot of the young people are over here, and other and the older people are over here. We have to bring that generation together. We have to close that gap with our young people and be ready to pass the baton. we got to realize when it's time, I'm not going to want to do this forever. Mm -hmm. I have grandchildren and great-grandchildren, and so I'm looking to serve to make sure our community is all that it can be, but I'm ready to pass the baton. But you have to give, be willing to pass the baton to somebody. Maybe they don't want a baton. Maybe they want something else. So we just got to realize what that is. Is it possible, my speculation, is it possible that they simply don't know what they want? I don't see how you can listen to Republican rhetoric and then go register hmm. as a Republican. I don't see how you can listen to a, a party of people who nullifies your own history and says that it cannot be taught or should not be taught in public schools. I don't see how you can listen to a party that says that women have no control over their own bodies and then go register as Republican. And so I'm just curious, you're saying there needs to be a conversation. Is there willful ignorance that exists within this segment of the community? I, I think that it is, but again, I'm reminded again of scripture where in the Old Testament when Joseph died and there the word says there arose a generation that knew not God. And so why did they not know God? Why did they not know the work of their forefathers? Mm -hmm. How many of our young people in the black community do you think actually know about the civil rights movement and the Voting Rights Act? How many of them? We think that they do. 
and we think that they understand, but do they really understand the move and the history of our people? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, even with young kids in cults or with gangs, they gravitate to that which they feel like they need or that they're looking for. Is there some ignorance or lack of information or education? Sure it is. But how do we bridge that gap? How do we get that information to them? Because I'm just like you. How in the world could you look at this and think that you really want to be a part of this? Mm -hmm. Is it rebellion in some ways? Mm -hmm. Is it attention-seeking in some ways? We've got to figure out what it is. We have to. Republicans most recently have utilized their majorities in order to try to maintain their majority by gerrymandering districts on all levels, uh, local, parish, uh, state, as well as national. Uh, the Supreme Court has said that as far as our congressional legislation is concerned, that they have to go back and give us a second uh, majority-minority district. Uh, there has been gerrymandering of state legislative districts uh, although uh, I saw it happen with the support of black legislators because they wanted to keep their supermajorities in the black community as well, uh, which I have problems with uh, because that's helping the individual but not helping mm -hmm. the state. So when the next governor comes in, who I presume is going to be Jeff Landry, heaven help us, uh, uh, he's going to be a Republican governor of an extremely conservative ilk with a supermajority in both the House and the Senate, which does not bode well for black, brown, middle-income, and poor people mm -hmm. in this state. So when I tell people, as I try to do here at Shiloh, that you need to go out and vote, and these young people are intelligent enough to see that their vote has been diluted through gerrymandered districts. What's my response to that? Can you help me with that? <coughs> That's a deep one there. Um, we, we, we watch it happen every day. We sit by, and, and you're talking about the legislators that didn't support uh, the gerrymandering, and, and they know. It's the same thing on the council seat. We, we live in a predominantly African-American parish. Yes. Yet our major offices, we just had Kip as our first African-American mayor, followed by Mayor Broom. We have a parish that, when I sat on the council, I made the fifth Democratic person to ever sit on the council. There were, before me, that had only been four African-Americans. I know I'm jumping back to local. Mm -hmm. But when you think about a parish comprised of 50-plus percent African-American people, why does the council still look like it looks? Mm -hmm. Because we're not going out there voting. And the same thing with the drawing of the lines in the pairs. Now, I did some work while at the council on the plan of government, trying to uh, rewrite the plan of government mm -hmm. where we could have a couple of at-large seats or one at-large seats, or looking at the possibility of shrinking the, the, the pairs to 10 council seats, which would have comprised, again, those districts and maybe be able to create another minority district. Mm -hmm. But, of course, the, none of that went past, that passed. But... The work still has to continue. I don't know how we, how we get there uh, in making this happen, but we have to wake up as a people and realize we can make this happen, but we have to go out and vote. We, you know, we talk about we have all these voter registration drives. I love voter registration drives. 
Voter registration drives are fine, but let's get people to the polls mm-hmm. on election day to vote. It's okay to register, but are you going out to vote on election day? Yeah. And we got to realize that our vote matters, and when we don't, that's what happens to us. They take us out of everything. They they gerrymander. They draw it the way that they want it mm-hmm. because they know they have the votes and the support to do it. But we've got to figure out a way to stop it. We have to come up with some creative ideas, and it is getting our young people out and making them realize, hey, you can make a difference. Running for public office. Offering yourself for public office is never fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard work. People are going to mm-hmm. criticize. My children were so angry at me for running again. Uh, they just wanted me to come home after I left the council, leave all that alone. Mm-hmm. You have 10 grandchildren, now three great-grandchildren, and they are jealous for my attention. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, get out of this. Let somebody else do it. Mm-hmm. But I still believe in good government and good leadership. And so that's, why I'm again, why I'm doing this. You mentioned... Uh we need to find people who are willing to offer themselves up for election. The The salvation of uh, gerrymandered districts in the past has been the court system. But now Republicans have taken ownership of the federal court system. Even when uh, the federal courts say one thing on one level, mm-hmm. the Fifth Circuit uh, overrules or, or puts in a state. The most recent thing had to do with young people being kept at Angola prison. Mm-hmm. Federal Judge uh, Shelley Dick said that they need to get out of there, and the Fifth Circuit issued a state. Now, according to what I read in the paper, the young people have been moved, mm-hmm. but not because the courts supported that. Right. The courts. Mm-hmm. So it seems like. Republicans have found a way to shut down many of the avenues that have been beneficial Mm -hmm. toward uh, fairness and equity Mm -hmm. in the past. So are there other avenues that I might not be aware of, that our public, that our viewers might not be aware of, that you can suggest uh, to us? Uh, We see it, like you just said, on the state, on the congressional level, we see it everywhere. I'm not sure what the answers are. I, I just don't know how we get there. Once we think that we have an inroad into something, they're in the back rooms trying to figure out how to take take it away from us. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's the same thing with the Angola incident, but with the HBCUs mm-hmm. uh, taking away that advantage. So it's like everywhere that they possibly think we may have some inroads into making change within this country, mm-hmm. they find a way on the backside to take it away from us because we're not in positions of authority. How do we get there? We've got to figure out a way to get there. And it's, it seems like it's a continual cycle, perpetual cycle. Every time we think that we have somebody in place that's going to be there to support us or to help us and pave the way, we become disappointed in the leadership. You mentioned that you're a parent, a grandparent, and now a great-grandparent. Looking at your family, looking at your progeny, what are your greatest concerns about them as they venture out into this community, this community that you've given mm-hmm. your life and service to? What, well, If I could ask you to enumerate three things that are your greatest concerns, mm-hmm. what would they be? And you may know this. I lost my 21-year-old grandson almost three years ago to gun violence. Yes, ma'am. Um, my firstborn grandson, my heart still bleeds. Uh, we don't know who did it, what happened. It happened not far from here on 17th and Spain Street. Found him in the house uh, with a gunshot wound to his head. Um, so, and I think about it, 
um, and looking at the African-American males in our community. I have a son. I only have one son. Uh, I have four grandsons. And I think about when they go out. I, I looked at the football game the other night when the young man brought a gun and killed another African-American. I'm, I'm, I am heartbroken mm -hmm. that we cannot bring resolve to find out what is happening with our young African-American men. Uh, there is something that's missing there. And instead of us criticizing and trying to say, oh, they're this and they're that, we need to embrace them and find out what is, we need to wrap our arms around our young African-American men and teach them how to be men. I know that there's some people out there. I'm a female. I've raised my son with my husband who's now deceased, my ex-husband who's now deceased, but we raised him to be a man. Mm -hmm. Raising my grandsons to be the same. Responsible men when you go out in the community that people can respect I'm concerned about education for my children mm -hmm. and my grandchildren. People argue back and forth about charter schools and, uh, the, you know, the public school system. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had grandkids that went to public school or had one of my granddaughters that ended up in a charter school because it was what she needed. Mm -hmm. She could not fare well in the public school. Mm -hmm. There were things that she just could not grasp. And so we put her in a, in a charter, and she finally got her high school diploma. Mm -hmm. And so I'm about educating kids. I don't care if it's on a farm. I just think that we need to focus our attention on what's going to work best for our kids in an educational system and embrace that for whoever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and then just overall about our communities. Uh, I fought for blight elimination when I was on the council, code enforcement, and infrastructure. I think our black communities are dying. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to try to figure out how we can bring businesses back to our community, how we can develop decent and affordable housing. I still work with housing for homeless families uh, mm -hmm. with the emergency rental program with the city of Baton Rouge. Uh, manage a team of 10 people. We've processed over 3,000 applications, 14 million in rental assistance for families. Families in our city are still having a hard time. You know, they say our economy is great, and I'm sure that there are jobs out there, but we need to train our people in our community. Mm -hmm. How do you go and get a job? How do you look when you go to get a job? You know, you walk around the community and you see our people with the caps on when they're going out. You know, it's, I'm concerned about our community. I love this city. I love our community, and I fight every day to do everything that I can to make sure it's a great place for us to live and to raise our families. This is not my last question, but it is a question that I generally ask people, and you led me into it with your response. Uh, uh, when I have a guest here, I ask, do you want your children to stay here? I know it's their choice, mm -hmm. uh, but you, ha uh, you have an opinion about whether or not you would like to see your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, to remain in Baton Rouge or seek their lives in a different community. What What are your thoughts around that? Um, as, as a mom, grandmother, great-grandmother, I want my family here mm -hmm. because I don't plan on going anywhere. Mm -hmm. It may be selfish, but holidays, the 10 little people around the house, they're all grown now mostly, <laughs> but the noise in the house and now additional babies in the family. I uh, was with my son yesterday celebrating his birthday, family everywhere. I love family. I love community. Uh, do I want my kids and my grandkids and my greats to stay here? Of course mm -hmm. I do. Mm -hmm. But I want what's best for them. I would hate for them to have to seek employment or seek something outside of East Baton Rouge. I want everything that they need to be in this city because I want them here. I want them to be here and continue to grow old with their grandmother and their mm -hmm. mom. That's what I want. You have mentioned uh, church and your faith uh, a couple of times. Can you share with us uh, how faith plays a role in your everyday activities, your commitment to community, and your decision 
to run for clerk of court? My faith keeps me grounded. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this. I probably would never have run for the council. Uh, I would retire right now and go somewhere and just enjoy the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. But because I believe that God has called me to serve, I consider myself a servant, a public servant, and just a servant of God's people uh, overall. And so my faith keeps me grounded uh, in times and in situations when I was on the council, when there were very controversial issues. You know, we dealt with the flood. We dealt with the Alton Sterling. We dealt with the shooting of the police. We dealt with ridicule from the public. We had people come into the council, bashing the council, fire this person, do this, do that. And so there were times, uh, Pastor, when I would sit there and I would pray, Lord, please allow me when I open my mouth to say what it is you would have me to say. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise... It would not have been real pretty. <laughs> you know, people, I grew up in what was called Easy Town on 29th Street. And so people don't realize it's September. I got a little hood in me. <laughs> and so, uh, but my faith keeps me grounded in those times when I'm like, okay, God, why do I have to continue to do this? I really don't want to do this anymore. And I tell people when my grandson got killed and when things go on in my life, I tell God, I don't like this. I don't understand this, God, but I trust you. Mm -hmm. I trust you with my life. I trust you with the life of my children, my family. But it doesn't feel good. And I continue to get up and pray and press every day because otherwise, if I didn't have faith in God and did not have the relationship that I have with my Lord and Savior, I could not do the work that I do in community every day. Mm -hmm. It's too difficult. Mm -hmm. It's too difficult. I would want to walk away and say, this is for the bird. Let somebody else do this. I've had enough. Yeah. But I continue to get up every day and just do the work. Assuming that you're victorious in, in your election, does the clerk of court have any kind of an advocacy role in uh, current events, particularly surrounding the court system, or is the clerk of court expected to be uh, somewhat neutral in, in, in these events? Um, I've not seen anything. I, I, I publicly have not seen anything, but I can promise you this. When I'm elected clerk, I'm going to continue to do the work that I'm doing in community, advocacy, and every everything that I can to continue to make this city what it is. Um, you know, I, I've done the Baton Rouge Free Clinic. I'm sure you may be aware of that, where for three years I've provided free medical, not I, but the team. I've raised money, and we've done three clinics that provided free vision, dental, and medical services to people within the East Baton Rouge community and surrounding parishes. In those three years, we probably have served over 4,000 people mm -hmm. and probably have had to turn away another 2,000 mm -hmm. because the needs are so great in our community. I believe that every elected official should be a public servant beyond the walls of the office. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to continue to do that. I'm going to continue to be out there in the community working, partnering with and connecting with the, the local law officials, other elected, official, elected officials, and doing the work of our community because I believe it takes all of us. The church, I'm, I'm here. I'm here to help do the work. And I'll continue to do that. Okay. So, with regard to the church, you're a member of the church, which means that you have an opinion of how the church is doing. What could the church be doing better than it's currently doing with regard to current events and mm -hmm. the climate that exists mm -hmm. within our community? Uh, I, I think it's fair that if the public and we in the church criticize politicians that uh, you at least ask the question, mm -hmm. is there something more that we could be doing rather than just sitting on the sidelines saying y'all ain't doing enough? Uh, <laughs> what is it that the church could do, could do better? 
when I was on the council, I would always say, I want to see the church come and stand with us. Mm-hmm. If I'm getting beat up about an issue that the church is passionate about, I want you to stand up with me and get beat up with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know one thing about Christ. He was radical. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he stood up for what he believed. We are the church. And I think we think about the church. We think about these buildings. Right. But we, the physical body, the members, we are the church. Yes. And Christ has already commissioned us to get outside of these walls, to go into the highways, into the byways, and to compel people to come. Come to church? No, into the kingdom, because there's kingdom work to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we want to hide sometimes, I think, behind uh, the church can't get involved in that. Okay, so the church can endorse, cannot endorse a candidate, but can you get behind those things that you know are right, that are honest, that are pure, that are just? Can the church do that? And so we need people in the church to come out and stand with the community when, when our kids are getting killed, when there's an issue about anything in our community. We need the church. We need the body of Christ mm-hmm. to stand because that's what God is expecting of us. He's going to hold us accountable. And while churches cannot endorse mm-hmm. candidates, individuals within the church Can. are free to endorse anybody that they like as yes. long as they don't try to attach that endorsement Exactly. to the church yes. and and I think people know that they simply hide behind the the fact that well I, I serve a church so I can't mm-hmm. endorse and right. and I've, I've always had problems yeah. with they that kind they of position safe, yeah they use it as a safe road yeah because like you said they can endorse yes they can support they can do what they want to do outside of that church realm yes your husband is a member of the East Baton Rouge Parish School Board uh, so it's not just you who serve the community, your family serves the community. Uh, do you all have interesting conversations uh, about what's going on with the school board? Pastor Smith. We're, I'm not all asking you to, to divulge anything. No, 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 all day and all night. It's like, oh my God, I say, Cliff, what is it now? Oh, I can't sleep. I said, what, what's, what's on your mind now, babe? What, what do you, uh, you know, and they, when he, they had the meeting until 12.30 a.m., it was the next day, and he came in, dragging and so i had to get up and you know do the nurturing wife kind of thing and mm-hmm. uh they they're getting beat up right now um and we do have those conversations and my my support to him is uh you wanted this you know he comes from a family of educators mm-hmm. mom was an educator aunts father superintendent of schools in north carolina mm-hmm. sister superior court judge in north carolina so he comes from that family in that environment uh he served as a coach for years he's coached college uh coached uh, college and coached on the high school level, uh, worked in the school system now. At, well, he's resigned now, but worked as a parent community liaison in the school system. So mm-hmm. he's been upfront and personal in the school system, mm-hmm. and he sees what's happening. Uh, he has a passion for our young people. And so uh, he's just getting a real taste in his first year. We're well, not even quite a year yet of some hard things and some hard decisions that the school board is going to have to make. But, again, I encourage him and pray for him. Look, you have to pray, first of all, and seek God. But you have to listen to what people are saying to you. Mm-hmm. What are the needs? What do you guys can change at the school board level? What's possible? And you can't go in and make promises to people that you know you cannot keep mm-hmm. on any level, local level, church level, political level, whatever it is. And so I'm asked, telling him, you got to go and just do the work. But you got to listen to your constituents because that's what's most critical and what's most important. But you got to be honest with them about where you are in the school system, what money you have, and you cannot do the impossible. And so you're going to have people angry at you either way, but you just got to make the best decisions. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's tough. I want you to look into that camera mm-hmm. right there, and I want you to tell the community why they should vote for Donna Collins-Lewis for East Baton Rouge Parish Clerk of Court. So 
Again, I'm Donna Collins-Lewis, and I am running for clerk, of course, for East Baton Rouge Parish. And why should you support me? I have served this community for over 40 years as an advocate for good government, for home ownership, just supporting this community overall in any and every way that I can. And my desire is to bring that same leadership, that same passion to the clerk of court's office. I'm going to provide ethical leadership at the clerk's office, transparency at the clerk's office, make sure that there are increased access to services, looking at maybe doing a satellite office in the uh, Zachary Baker area. I'm going to be a leader that you can trust. And so I am asking for your vote, for your support, for your voice to tell other people about me. And let's work together to bring back honor, dignity, and respect to the clerk's office. Let's put me in leadership. I am, again, Donna Collins-Lewis, a leader you can trust. Donna Collins-Lewis, thank you so much for taking the time and coming and sharing with us today. Thank you for viewing. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again next time. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, ma'am.